Welcome to the Blessed Adventure Podcast. Today, your host is Ruthie Miller. I interview Esta to bring her story and hear how Blessed Adventure got started. So let's listen to her story. Okay, so we are here today with Esta Ryder, and we're going to talk about how Blessed Adventure was birthed and her story. So, Esta, tell me why for Blessed Adventure. So I do a lot of walking for exercise, and I just like being outside and walking around, and I am not the most techie person. So I wanted to start hearing, you know, motivational talks or learning about things. But the only way I knew how to do it was to Google someone's name and listen to their YouTube videos. And then my son, who was probably 15 at the time, said, you should listen to podcasts. And I really didn't know what that was. But I found a couple that I wanted to listen to. And for me, for the most part, they were either a business podcast or a Christian woman's podcast, just because that's with the ones that interested me. But what happened is they all sounded the same. So those two groups were intermixing about the same, I don't know, it felt like five people, probably 15. So you would always hear them on two or three different podcasts at the same time. They were always promoting a book and it was the same story. And then I'm a very just normal, natural, like everyday person and, you know, how I look and everything else. And Then I would try to learn more about these people when this was first starting and see them on Instagram. And it was things like, oh, I just got out of bed and this is what I look like. And it was so fake. And I'm not saying that the women were fake, but it was very businessy fake. And it didn't feel like learning about the girl next door or a new friend. So that was a little bit frustrating. But then after a year into this, I would just get mad because it felt like I was knowing more about the guest than the podcast hostess because I was hearing them everywhere. And it just frustrated me to the point that I deleted all of those podcasts. The only podcast I listen to is one business one right now that is led by a man. And so I just got frustrated and I felt like this is so frustrating because we're not learning from these podcasts. It didn't feel like it to me. It felt like I was being marketed to. I was on the podcast chain to hear their books. You weren't hearing from women necessarily because if you're just listening to that one man. I was hearing the women podcast, but they had all the same guests. It was frustrating. It was frustrating. So I deleted all those podcasts. And the only one I found that was well-rounded that I was learning from and not hearing the same 10 or 15 women was a podcast, just a general business podcast that ironically is hosted by a man. And I felt like, you know, I know a lot of women who own businesses, big or small or whatever, just in my teeny tiny little circle of rural Ohio. I thought, how many other stories are there like these women's stories who will never necessarily be told in this platform because they're not trying to sell a book. They're not trying to be a speaker on stage. They're not trying to do any of that, but live the life and fulfill the dreams that they have. And so I just kept thinking that's whose story I wanted to tell. And I felt like God wanted me to do it, but I kept putting it off. I own two businesses. I have four kids. I have a husband. And I felt like I didn't have time and somebody else could do it because this is not like a great big, you know, novel idea. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I couldn't find it. And I kept thinking about it to the point of, okay, I have to do something or I'm just going to drive myself crazy. And that's when I contacted you and said, hey, I have this idea, but I need help with it. And that's when we um, put this together. And I say we like 99.9% you and 0.001% me. And we started to interview some women. 
If I couldn't call you every couple of seconds, then I probably couldn't have done it myself. Oh, no, but, you did great. Yeah, just hearing hearing other people's stories. And they're just, I mean, not necessarily just local people, but they're women that aren't big speakers. You know, they have these small businesses that they're trying to grow or yeah, have. Well, yeah, I mean, is, like, they don't have that opportunity. You're giving them this opportunity to, to share their story. Right. And if we're hearing the same 10 or 15 women, you're getting the same 10 or 15 ideas. We're trying to get, you know, yes. different stories. Right. And they have different ideas and different tips. And yeah. So yes. And that's been what is, I, there was one that we interviewed and I was tearing up hearing yeah. her story. And that, you know, that's the kind of story that needs to be told. You hear all about like these women that have struggled and they had nothing and they started from scratch and they're successful. Right. So, and even yeah. things how that business met a need that they had or how the pieces were so lined up that, you know, it had to be a God thing. And then just ideas for time management or business that I picked up that I would have not heard about otherwise because they're in a whole different circle than I'm in, you know? Right. But even we're also, we have women in there who are in the nonprofit circle who have started nonprofits and that's really neat to hear. And it still has a lot of the same principles where they started something from nothing and they've watched it grow and are watching it grow. And that is, you know, really inspiring and neat to hear. And I think that those situations are neat to hear too, because that's a way that all of us can help them with what they're doing. We can donate time. We can donate, you know, money. And you can be in Florida enjoying the sunshine and still donate to Lori Cologne's nonprofit that she has up here. So it's just neat to hear all of these things that women are doing that are helping others. And that story, we can help share that. And I love that. I love getting to talk to them and hear that. Anyway, so that goes back to you, like how, um, because you were a teacher. Yes, I was a teacher for five years until we had our first son. And then we decided that I would stay home. And oh my goodness, he was probably, I don't know, 14 months old. And um, my husband said, what would you think about being a realtor? And I don't even know if we'd ever really talked about this. But um, when I was a little girl, I used to beg my parents to take me to open houses, Wow, which they hated doing. But I love that. I mean, I'm talking elementary school here. I love to see the houses. I remember counting outlets in the bedrooms to see where things could be plugged in. Like, I just loved it. And the time he said it, we were looking to buy a property and for, our, for ourselves, for ourselves, our first house we had bought for sale by owner. So this time we were using a realtor and um, we're moving back closer to home. And our realtor had told us that day, hey, I'm sorry, I've, I've been busy. I've had six closings today and she drove a little BMW. So we're thinking, you know, she's doing well. There's money in real estate. And so he said, what would you think about that? And I said, oh, absolutely. I would love that. I've always wanted to do that. But growing up, neither one of my parents went to college. My dad went for six weeks and quit and he wanted to be in a band. My mom never went. So growing up, we were never told, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's what four-year college degree do you want to have? That was the only option my sister and I were given. And um, my mom's always like, you're a good teacher. You're a good teacher. I heard that from my teachers, from my parents, from the time I was probably in like at least by second grade. So I became a teacher. But when he said this, I thought, yes, I'm on board. And literally within three weeks of him saying that I was in real estate classes. Wow. And that's and then so that was the first week of January. 
by the first week of March, I was licensed, and that was 15 and a half years ago. Um, back to your husband. His mm-hmm. name's Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a teacher as well, right? Yes. So he proposed this idea to you. How come didn't he follow the pursuit? Like, was it just something that he was, like, not interested, and he figured maybe you would be interested? I think we saw it more as an additional way to make income. And I think he knew that I liked seeing the houses because obviously by this time we have been looking at, you know, several and I liked that part. He had a stable job and we were on one income. So, and he never had an interest in being a real estate agent. If I had said, no, that sounds terrible. He'd have been like, okay, no problem. It was more just an idea he had. But the thing about that is the funny thing is I had always thought I was going to be a teacher and I had a W-2 more person mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. He always wanted to own his own business. I mean, even in high school. So he started college to be a in construction management to own his own construction company and then ended up going into industrial arts and being an industrial art teacher. So over the years of our of our marriage, when he was teaching, he taught for 18 years. Sometimes there were times he came home and said, I can't do this anymore. And he would research different businesses that he might want to do. So if anybody was geared toward owning a business, hands down, it was him over the two of us. He had always had that goal and then kind of settled into, I have a wife, I have kids, and just it kind of was delayed. And not that he didn't love teaching, he just knew he wanted to own his own business. And, and see, that's so cool how husband and wife can kind of like, when once you're married, it you just, you'll see it. You just like help each other out to figure mm-hmm. out what you should do or what your strengths are, kind of. Yeah. And he helped you figure that out. And now look where you're at. Well, and he always encouraged me through And I'm sure he still does. Years. Oh, absolutely. And that's the only way. I mean, like, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to think, like, he's the one that helped me birth this yeah. business idea. Right. And even though technically on paper, he's not an owner. I sure. mean, he has ideas, like, you know, all of these things that, and he's helped me make decisions that I could never have made without him because but he's I, a really good thinker and smart mm-hmm. about things that way. I think that that is so cool though, like how he has that and it may not be on paper, like you said, mm-hmm. but you ran with the ideas and if he, you didn't had have him, how, how right. would that look now? I guess. And that's just the thing. Like he, he was there to support you. Yeah. So he was there from the beginning. He had a lot of ideas, but also if I would have ideas, he would tell me what he thought, or if I would be discouraged, you know, he would put me back on the right path. So that was very important. And really him keeping his job longer than he wanted to because of my flexibility or because of my job and no insurance sure. and irregular pay, that allowed me to do what I wanted to do and never have to worry about it because we always had that insurance. We always had that regular pay. When I first started, mine would just went into savings and then we kind of got brave and I remember just paying our property taxes and little things like that until his last year teaching my gross pay was twice as much as his net pay wow. probably the last two years. So I don't think people realize how little a teacher makes. So even though he was a very hard worker, 18 years, had a master's degree with four kids, if I had not worked, 
we would have qualified for WIC because of his pay and having, and this is somebody with a master's degree in a profession. So I always remember that when levies come around, like, okay, I don't know what the people think in the public, but I've cashed those paychecks for my teaching husband. I know what they look like. And and yeah, I was in this school system. So I know like, I, it's so incredible how these teachers still go to school to become a teacher knowing that their paychecks are going to be tiny. Yeah. And they're trying to make ends meet all the time. Right. But they're still doing it for our kids. Right. And so our income became, you know, a way to do other things too, you know, and take vacations and buy other properties and things um, that we couldn't have done before. So he really waited for his dream. And then what happened was, I mean, I'm totally off topic now, but just to finish his story, we were 39 so he was in the spring of his 18th year of teaching. He was really getting stressed because it was that point where he had to renew his license, which meant more classes. Sure. To, you know, So you're paying for the classes to renew and then paying to, to do it. And he was just done. And at that time, our youngest one was in preschool and our oldest one was in seventh grade. And I finally said, you're done. Mm-hmm. Like you've supported me all these years. You're at 18 years of teaching and 39 years old. If you don't quit now, you're not. You're not. Yeah. Because now we have another kid in school and then we'll have kids in college. And, you know, now you're in your 40s. Just do it. And so he did. And so we bought a house to flip. And I think we closed. I think we closed on that in May. Found it in March. Closed on it in May. And then he had given his principal his notice and then didn't look back. So and so now he has done remodeling, but what he loves to do is custom furniture. And that ironically is what he loved in high school. And the reason he became a teacher was because he loved working with wood. So That's so awesome. Yeah. And that, that business is called Stone and Stone Timber. And timber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you own your own agency. Yes. The beginning of that was when I, when you're a realtor, how you pick where you go. It's not really that you're interviewed. It's you interview them. Sure. So you're an independent contractor. You're 1099. A lot of real estate companies have the philosophy of, you know, you're just a body. The more bodies, the more we're going to make because we're essentially not costing them anything. Right. So I had a few places I wanted to go talk to. The first place I went to was Hal Frank's Realty. Hal Frank's, I knew the name. He had been a broker and had his company in Worcester. I mean, before I was born. So I always remembered his signs and stuff. I met him. He was super nice. I could not tell you one thing he told me. I just remember that it was in February. It's cold. And he helped me take my coat off and helped me put it back on. And I thought, what a gentleman. I'm going to work with him. And I never even interviewed anywhere else. And now I'm like, okay, that was a God thing. Cause that probably wasn't the smartest thing to pick who you're choosing by the fact that he was just nice, but it worked. And he yeah. was Literally the amazing, most amazing broker. Everyone loved him. Very knowledgeable, very kind, really loved all of us like we were his kids. So my husband actually got licensed the year after I did. And I went to Hal and said, hey, can he join our office? And Hal said, absolutely. But if he quits his day job, I'll kill him. And he didn't mean it like for real. It was more like, you know, he knew that we needed the insurance and all those things with two small children. Um, I was actually... We had one child at the time and I was extremely pregnant and he mm-hmm. knew that was not it's smart. Important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also knew, you know, Hal had had health problems and he was um, older. He had grandkids within 10 years of my age. 
And so I knew I wanted to open my own company, not because I wanted to be a business owner, but I knew I couldn't, there was no other how there was nowhere else I wanted to go. Nobody was like him. So to me, it was like, I can do that. And I knew I was being trained by him. And so I started making a list of what I wanted in a company and um, who I wanted to have working with me and was literally in a notebook. And that was, you know, several years of having that grow. And then I decided that, you know, I was just living life and doing real estate. And I got a call one day from a, a realtor friend who was on my list. And I remember I was going up to get an iron transfusion of all things. And he called me and I called him back and he asked me about coming to work where he works. And I'm like, I'm not leaving how. And he started telling me what that company offered. And it was some of the things were exactly what was on my list. It was the weirdest thing. So when I Cal was getting older and I had my fourth child, I decided to start taking my broker's classes just to be ready because I knew if something happened to Hal, I would have to go somewhere else be ready to go on my own. So I did. I started that. And I remember doing it after my fourth child was born because I had two in school. So at that time, I had a second grader, a preschooler, a barely two-year-old, and a baby that was probably about eight weeks old. And I'm starting these classes online. I'm sitting at my counter, and my two-year-old needed me. And I looked over, and both of my kids were on the same pair of clothes for like the third day. Like I was so consumed with taking these classes. I'm like, this is crazy. And so I um, talked to one of my really good um, realtor friends, Katie Biggs. She's like my real estate mom. And I asked her her thoughts of me going out on my own with two kids. And she's like, the timing's not right. And then I asked another realtor friend who did it with two small kids. And she's like, well, this is what your life's going to look like if you do. And it just wasn't right. So Andy and I said, not now. And we just put it, we're going to put it aside. But during that time, like right after this happened, is when I got a call from that friend who said, Mm -hmm. do you want to work with us? And this is what our company has. And it was on my list. And I told him, I said, well, here's the deal. Eventually, I'm going to start my own and you're on my list. So why don't you just come work for me? And he said, because I own the company. (laughs) And I did not know that. So that didn't work. And so that's when I left Hal and made that transfer to this other company And it was so hard. I cried and cried and cried. I went to his office twice. He tried to talk me out of it. So I finally told him, and this is a big chicken part on my end, not the best way, but I finally told him by leaving him a note, letting him know how much we loved him and what he had meant to us and put it on his desk and left all my stuff there and locked the door behind me. So I did it at night when no one was going to be there because I just felt bad telling him because he was so awesome. And so after that, I worked for um, that company. They changed, they sold out to somebody else who I did not care for at all. He was, every person was a dollar sign to him, not a breathing Mm -hmm. human being. And I couldn't deal with that. Um, And so then I ended up starting my own company over a year ago. And one of the reasons that we did it is because I just enjoyed teaching other agents. I've always still had that teacher part to me. I love mentoring, coaching, teaching. And so we're able to do that where we are. And it's great. My agents are calling me all the time. I'm able to guide them in decisions that they're making and transactions and they're learning. And I'm so proud of them. And we've been able to do really well, not because of me, but because of the culture of them helping each other. Sure. And it's been awesome. You still had a big factor in that. But you were also ready. Well, and I'm careful who comes on board. I don't want anybody because I don't want someone who's slimy or crooked. So one of my favorite stories is um, last year, um, our oldest son, well, our two oldest boys were had a wrestling tournament that day. So I'm in this high school. 
I have, I'm trying to watch my kid wrestle. He made it to the finals in one. So I'm not, there's no downtime really. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you're in the gym, you have no reception. And I get this voicemail from one of my agents needing help. And then she calls him back and says, Hey, never mind. I called another agent who helps me out. And that other agent, her name's Caitlin, actually laid in her daughter's bed until midnight on the phone with my other agent, Ashley, to work her through this because I wasn't available. And Caitlin wasn't even going to tell me about it. She just did it to do it. And that's the kind of culture we've created. Right. Good people who want to help each and other. You, yeah. You want those kinds of people. Yes. And you're... Because if they're going to help somebody in our office just to help, imagine how they're helping their own clients, you know, and working them through that. And so the, that's one of the things I wanted with blessed adventure too, is just, you're able to learn from somebody, um, that you're never going to meet, but you're going to learn from hearing their story. Maybe it's a little nugget about time management. Maybe it's just knowing that they have, you know, things they've had to deal with with their children and you're going through that same thing. Right. Maybe it's the story of how it's so obvious it was a God thing that you're like, okay, I know I've been putting something off or I know I'm supposed to do this and it's just the courage to do it. So we're talking about business and you creating, you know, the businesses that you have created. Have you faced any hurdles that you personally have overcome And what were those hurdles and how did you overcome them? Well, one of the simple hurdles to say would just be when I went into real estate and that was telling my mom and my mother-in-law that I was not going to renew my teaching certificate, my teaching license. It expired the year after I started selling and then I would have had to take X amount of classes, pay the money for that, the time. And I just wasn't going to do it because I knew at that point I loved real estate. I knew it even though it was had not yet replaced my teaching income it was a no brainer. It was going to happen. And they were not thrilled. My mom, especially, you know, you worked so hard for this degree, blah, blah, blah. I understand what she was saying. That's definitely a mom thing, but I knew, mm-hmm. you know, I just knew the other hurdle would just be when I started my own company, I wasn't necessarily looking to do it at the time. I just needed to because of some, some things that were happening at the management level of where I was at sure. that needed to be addressed. So we went out on our own. So those would be my biggest hurdles. It's really been a clear path. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other big hurdle is doing it with four kids, you know, feeling like you're, when you're at work, you're at work. When you're at home, you're at home. When you have your own business or even a job like real estate, it's really easy to constantly have your Chromebook open or constantly be on the phone and not giving your family, the attention they need are just time management, you know, doing what else needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So those aren't necessarily big, huge hurdles that someone might think of, but you still have to figure those hurdles out or it can mess you up either in your business or with your family. Was there any support or any resources that you leaned on when you started? I think from that were that stand out to you. I would say my husband, number one, um, our families actually are his parents. My parents were very supportive, even though my mom didn't want me to turn my teaching search to, or, you know, not renew that she was still supportive of what we were doing. I remember Andy and I buying a house. And at that time, gosh, I'd only been selling for a year. And my dad was very much a business owner mentality. And, and he's like, Oh, this, it was a house built in the thirties. He's like, Oh, this lobby, you know, this, um, foyer can make a great lobby. If down the road, you guys sell this house. Or, you know, build another house. You could use this as your office. That's the very first thing he said when he saw the house because he saw 
maybe dreams that I wasn't quite there yet. And I would say Hal Franks was huge. He was an open book, always helpful. There has been there have been certain realtors I've always been able to call. Like I said, Katie Biggs was one of them. She's a realtor um, that's from the town that we live in. She was always great with helping me and encouraging me. I always knew that she was a phone call away. So, you know, it's not every day you call literally a competitor and say, hey, I'm thinking about starting my own business. What do you think? Or what do you think about this? But um, I call her my real estate mom. She was just so helpful awesome. to me and didn't have to be, you know, so not she's still to kind me. of like a mentor to you. Um, yes, she is not. I think last year is when she stopped selling real estate and which is great. I'm glad she's, you know, retiring and enjoying life and stuff. But if I still had a question, I would absolutely call her. What would be one thing that would top the list of things you would like to succeed in over what you already have? Because you've already succeeded in so many areas of your life. And what is one thing that you would that would top the list? Um, well, there are two things. And in the grand scheme of things, especially the first one's probably really cheesy and probably shouldn't even be said. But I would love to look a little more how much I says I I love being in my 40s. I think Mm -hmm. every decade gets better. But I would love to be, oh, yes, because in your 20s, like you're starting out, you know, we had little kids, which was great, but you also don't have the money to do some of the things you want to do. You're starting out in your, and for us in our marriage, we got married at 21. We had little kids and always sleep. Things were getting better in our 30s. We were enjoying as our kids were growing up because we enjoyed each, each stage of that. In our 40s, you know, we don't have diapers anymore, which is kind of fun. And we're watching our kids grow and do the things they do and love to do, which is fun. Again, every decade seems, seems to be a little more financially secure where you're thinking, you know, like the mortgage is paid off and now what kind of home do we want to do next? And yeah. so, and we're just enjoying being married for 22 years. That's so, awesome. you know, I, I can't wait for my, my husband, he thinks I'm crazy, but I, I can't wait to be 90 and holding hands on the front porch, you know? So I think there's good to that. So I would just love to be a little bit skinnier and have a little more control over my chocolate addiction and carb addiction. That would be a, a success. A success because I, think I it's just important to me, but I'm like lazy about it, you know? Well, yeah. I think every woman would dream of that. Yeah. Success. And then the, Yes. And then the other one would be I hate winter. My husband mm-hmm. loves winter. And he would love to like live in Montana. And I'm like, oh, I want to live in like somewhere warm. Like I think like Florida or Alabama yeah. or something, Texas. And so my next, I guess you can call it a success would be to have a setup where we're able to do what we you do. You can go there. And go there. You want to. So in the winter, when our youngest one is graduated, which would put us at 53, I would love to have, sorry, 54. I would love to be like, one month in Montana, and I told him I will go, but I want a big window overlooking snow, a comfy chair, a comfy blanket, and I'm not moving out of that house for a month. You can do whatever you want outside in the snow. I don't want to go outside. I just want to see it from the window. Yeah. And then one month in Florida where I can be outside and take walks every day and not be cold. So that's like a goal, but that's what's important to us at this point. So, and then the success, I guess, success, like from a business perspective is... He we had we had before owned like an Airbnb uh-huh. and loved it and he would like to get more. So okay. the next business goal, if you would call it that, would be have a, a not necessarily a portfolio of those, but at least one where that's our another another rental income yeah. stream. That sounds awesome. Oh, and lots of grandbabies. I remember one of my kids saying, 
years ago, I want to have 100 kids, 50 boys and 50 wow. girls. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, it's like the one, 101 nominations. Yes, so they, but if you all babies. If I got the concept from. <laughs> that's a good point. I oh my word, that. that's so cute. Yeah. You're also a mom and a wife while successfully doing your business. Your boys see that work ethic that their mom is creating. And so I think that's such an awesome so I would say two things about that. Number one is I have worried at times, like when I am focused on work at the dining room table and they're doing something else, I'm not with them. I've literally had spells of my life where I thought it was ruining my kids. Sure. And I would say to them, like the older two, do you want you know me to spend more time with you? And they never felt that way. And I've even told them before, I will quit my job and I can be here all the time. And my older two have both said in the last couple of years at different times, no, we like the money. <laughs> And that's, so that's like the relief of, as a parent, to have that sure. assurance, yeah. you know? And then the other part of that is there is no way I could do anything close to what I can do without those people around me. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, who's out here right now getting ready to ta- to um, do our Rider Realty podcast. Man, she's taken that idea and run with it. And so after you and I are done... She is taping that with you and I'm hitting the road. She is driven. She is kind. She loves people. We could not do what we do without her. Right. I told you, Ruthie, months ago, I'm like, I want you to work for us. I'm just not sure what it will look like, but I want someone like you. You're kind. You're driven. You are a hard worker. You're organized. People like to be around you. This wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for you. Mm -hmm. Same with the rest of my ladies. Like I said, they help each other. Sure. My husband has always supported me even when I wanted to pull out my hair with something going on he has been my supporter my rock he's told me when I shouldn't do something you know whatever like Mm -hmm. he has just been amazing so without any of you guys in this picture you know my mom and in-laws for helping to babysit when the kids were little none of this would have happened Mm -hmm. nobody can do it on their own and if they're saying they can they're lying or just extremely ungrateful for the people around them one or the other Back to the whole beginning, but that's kind of what I felt like was missing from the other podcast. I wanted women supporting women. I felt like it was women marketing to women. Yeah. And I was done. I don't do well with that. I don't do well with the salesman type thing, Mm -hmm. which is funny being in sales. I just don't. And I wanted authentic. I wanted to feel like you and I talking like we are, like two girlfriends. Yeah. And and sharing those girlfriend stories with other people who wanted what I, I mean, I just kept thinking, I can't be the only person who wants authentic stories and to feel like they're learning from new people that they're meeting at a PTO meeting or something. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? And so that's what we get to do. And I love seeing what your story is going to be as, you know, an interesting you where for you from getting married to, you know, moving to all of those things and to see Mm -hmm. what that looks like and how this will help you do what you, you know, want to do long term too. And it's fun watching that. Yeah. So there is a few questions that I am going to surprise you with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what is something you're not good at? Oh, technology. Just and cooking and cleaning, actually. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, yeah, I don't. Clean. Or is it just something you don't give yourself credit? For? Oh, no, I'm terrible. Like, literally, I do not know. how. Okay. So we don't have regular cable. Mm-hmm. We have, I don't know, whatever. Some of the other things. Ruthie, I don't know how to turn my TV on in my room. I just learned that maybe a month ago. And I don't know how to get into like Netflix. My nine-year-old, I'll say, Gavin, can you please turn my TV on? He will go turn my TV on and get me into Netflix. I am 44 years old. I cannot do that. My husband loves me so much. 
literally, it's probably only been maybe three years that I set my own alarm clock. For the first 18, probably 19 years we were married, he always did it. And then I would freak out when he would go away because I'm like, I don't know how to turn it on, you know? So I thought I better learn. But there was just something little he did for me, which is great. But it was something I never had to do for myself. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's kind of embarrassing, too. Well, I think it's (laughs) awesome that he helped you out in that way. Yeah. So that you knew. Yeah, he just took care of it. You could depend on him. Yeah. And so, but then the idea of him going away, like, okay, right. Like, how do I get my alarms? Yeah. So those, and then cooking, I'm not a good cook. I wanted, this is so funny. I took home ec in high school and I always wanted to be someone who cooked and had 10 kids and made their own clothes. And I'm not a good cook. My husband can cook better than me. Last night, our 14 year old Seth said, Hey, I'm just going to cook dinner. He made homemade pizzas. It was awesome. Wow. I'm not good at it. I don't love doing it. I get impatient smelling it and just will eat animal crackers while I'm cooking or whatever. Yes. I don't like it, but I know that. And I think that helps that I know it because then you I'm not trying to be something I'm not. Yes. You're not and, putting that pressure on yourself. No. And it's, there are these women who are like, oh, I just feel like I'm loving on my family when I cook. And I had to work, wrestle with the guilt of that because I don't feel like I'm loving on my family when I cook. I hate doing it. They're all picky eaters. Like it's not, I just, I show them I love them in other ways, but sure. I'm, yeah. that's not one of them. I struggle cooking. Oh, but you cook good. Oh, You're that, very good with cooking. I mean, Stephen will tell you, I just throw whatever mm-hmm. in whatever and it turns out. See, and I can't even do that. I don't even know how to do that part. I'm just like, okay, here's the recipe and oh, this one looks like I can handle it. Or if it's too complicated, I don't it, even yeah. look at it. It's like yeah. done. Right. So. Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you. That cake tastes better when it's cut in rows. So I'm very OCD and I never noticed it until I started dating Andy. I remember he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? And I had was eating cake and I was cutting it in straight rows. He's like, that's weird. Well, he thought it was funny to just take his spoon and like take a bite. It would mess it up. He had me in tears one time until he realized, oh, my goodness, she's serious. And then, oh, I took my dad out for his birthday one time. I was probably in my mid-30s, and we're sitting across from the restaurant, and he's eating a piece of cake, and he literally cut it like that. And I had never noticed all those years that he did that same thing. But, yeah, I'm just – there are certain ways you have to eat things or do things. I won't make my bed if I can't make it in a straight line all the way around because it looks nicer. So my thing is there's certain ways you do things. (laughs) Whether you agree with me or not, by golly, you better cut that cake in nice rows and make that bed and line up. uh, That's good. So what is one piece of advice um, before we end this that you would give someone? I think just in general – I got really good advice a few months ago was during quarantine. So, you know, nothing to do. I had Mm -hmm. a billion ideas going through my mind and my mentor, we were walking one day and she said, you need to make sure no matter what your husband and your kids are your biggest priority and they're your number one priority. And I think that that can be really easy to forget Mm -hmm. when you are driven or you are busy, or even if you're a social person, like the guy or or girl who likes to do stuff with friends and never sees their husband or kids because every spare minute they're, I don't know, shopping or Mm -hmm. watching sports or whatever. It would just be make sure you have your priorities right 
And the other thing, there's this speaker, woman speaker, and she always talks about work-life balance. But hearing her, I'm like, lady, you're an idiot. So she's talking about, you know, I spend an hour and a half with my kids every night and we're, you know, on the ground doing all this stuff and then I can work. And I'm like thinking, okay, an hour and a half times five. That's not very much, right? And then this COVID shutdown happened and she was like, yeah, I was outside with my kids and I realized I never knew my son said a word a certain way. And I thought, yes, because an hour and a half a night does not make you mother of the year. Right. But yet she was teaching that to thousands of women and it wasn't accurate. And so I would, I think, again, prioritizing your family, you can still do everything else. Just make sure that what you're believing in time management, believing in priorities is actually correct. That's some good advice. Thank you, Esther, for sharing your story today. To listen to more episodes like this, go like, subscribe, and review us, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed week.